Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a guest I am very excited for in Julie Steinbacher. So Julie is the uh, partner at Steinbacher Goodall on your track and president of the Million Dollar Solution. And the way that we ended up meeting is very interesting. I just kind of kept seeing a lot of stuff coming up from her organization. And these are from some of the largest, most successful elder and estate planning firms that uh, we were working with as clients as well. So they have some really, really interesting stuff that I'm super excited to dig into. But uh, I'm super excited to have you here, Julie. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and spend some time with you. Okay, awesome. So just to kind of get started with kind of the background. So tell us a little bit more about your story. How'd you get involved with state and elder planning in the first place and you know, getting to the point where you're managing this awesome organization? Yeah, it's a, you know, my, my story honestly starts all the way back in high school. And uh, my grandmother was really sick. And at the time, my dad and his brothers really couldn't make a decision. And I was kind of watching all of that happen. And, you know, based on that, I remember telling my high school guidance counselor, I wanted to be a gerontologist, which is the study of the aging process. And Jan, he took out a newspaper and showed me like the want ads. And he's like, you'll never get a job. You need to do something else. But luckily for me, I went to college and I majored in gerontology and I came out and I was a social worker at a nursing home. And I really loved that job. And, but at the time, my dad was an attorney. And, you know, the years ago, law offices were general practice. You know, on one day he could do a criminal case. And on the next day, he might do an estate plan. And what was happening was that he started having questions being asked of him about Medicare and nursing homes. And I knew the answers. So at some point in time, I started working in his firm. And then at some point in time, he said, uh, Old people listen to you. Uh, You know, I was very passionate about, always knew I wanted to be an elder law attorney. And then the story kind of takes an odd twist, which is my dad decided once I was an attorney, I needed to be a litigator. And so him and I ended up parting ways because really I wanted to do elder law and estate planning. And I started my law firm 20 years ago, literally in the garage of my house. And now it's grown to four locations, about 40 attorneys, I mean, 40 employees across the state of Pennsylvania. And so um, I consider myself very lucky, but really the way I got into it is it's something I'm really passionate about helping older people plan for the second half of life, what happens if they get sick. And so it's something that is really congruent with me. But, you know, it wasn't an easy path because, you know, in law school, they don't teach you how to run a business. They just teach you how to be an attorney. And so I very quickly decided I needed to learn lots of stuff. And I learned that and was really blessed by being able to build my business in the way that I have. Okay, that's super awesome. And I want to say this, it's always interesting to see, and I'm, you know, I'm not surprised to see the success that came from the that initial passion. I didn't even know the word gerontologist was a thing. I knew of gerontology like the medical discipline, but it's an interesting thing. And like, you know, the, the, the passion clearly comes through and being able to be able to leverage that at different parts of the steps. I mean, it must've been fantastic for motivation through pretty much the entire time you're doing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, I was just so, you know, when I, even 20 years ago, if somebody was an elder law attorney, Jan, they were just, just crisis oriented. 
somebody goes to a nursing home and how do we protect their house? That's really what elder law was. And I really saw it as much broader. Like I just really thought people should be pre-planning. I really thought, and back then 20 years ago, you know, people weren't really ready to pre-plan, but I thought they should be. And so I kept talking about it. And, and what that did is it allowed me to be ahead of the curve and what, what we should be offering and how we should be talking to our clients. Now, today, the clients that are in front of us as elder law and estate planning attorneys, they often are, are much more motivated because they had somebody in their life that ended up in a nursing home or they had a horrible just interaction with siblings or their parents, and they have a desire today to be more organized and to really understand that the second half of life can be a long time. And we have to not just think about what happens if we die, but we also have to think about what happens if we get sick and how do we protect ourselves and our spouse and our loved ones? And what actions can we take to make that journey, whatever it is, a better journey and not so crisis oriented. And so today it's a lot easier, but, you know, I think for me, that passion just allowed me to not be stopped by what people thought we should be doing as attorneys then and really moving forward. And of course that helped everything that I did from the marketing because my marketing was a little bit different than other people's and allowed me to, you know, go into niches. Like right now we do a lot with dementia planning. And, and I think that's the next hurdle, to be honest with you right now, we need to really be talking about what happens if somebody gets dementia. What can we do today to make that journey better for that family? And obviously some of that's about legal documents, but some of it's also about, you know, connecting them with the aging network and understanding, you know, what's up to come in the future. And really an understanding that we as attorneys, I believe strongly that attorneys are very powerful because we as small business owners or medium-sized business owners, we can respond to a crisis and offer a solution that, to be honest with you, many people think the healthcare industry should be doing a lot of what we do, but the healthcare industry, it's too big. You know, it's, it's part of a political things, the government, you know, we can't revamp Medicare to help these people. And fundamentally, right now in this country, our healthcare system, what you get out of it, out of Medicare, it's based on your diagnosis. So, and that's because Medicare was designed in the you know, 1950s. And then all we needed was acute care. You got sick and you either died or you got better, right? And we didn't have this long-term care. So today in this country, you know, somebody gets Alzheimer's, they're not going to get a lot of benefit from Medicare. If they have a heart attack and they need surgery, they're going to. And if we really understand that, that's what brings my passion to get let my clients know because they don't know this. You know, they don't know that it's an arbitrary system at best. And but we as elder law attorneys can be very powerful and estate planning attorneys in letting people know that. So yeah. I want to follow up on that as well, too, because it's it's kind of interesting because if you think about today versus when you started the practice 20 years ago, like you mentioned the awareness of the stuff being a lot higher than it was. And the reality is it's a collective effort of people exactly like you and running the firm that have kind of gotten society here as a whole. And I think it's really kind of a beautiful thing because we don't have to wait around for, you know, the right politician to go ahead and change the whole world. Not that ever happens. Um, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, people think about it and look, it's really kind of a beautiful system, I think, because you have a situation where, okay, you're able to connect to people that you can help. They're able to get a good outcome. You're able to get a good outcome. In the process of, you know, and if you think about it, if you have, you know, let's say you're closing 50% of people at the seminar, there's 50% of people that know something that they never knew about the medical system that they can take for the rest of their lives. And they can take the next holiday party that they can go to, and they can take to when something happens with their parents. 
And then you multiply that through firms doing this in places all over the country. And that's really how you get to change the narrative over things too. Like, I think it's such a, and I think it's such important work, but also it's super effective from a marketing perspective, right? Like, you know, you guys have had a fantastic niche with anything that you guys have gone into, right? Can you talk a little bit more about how, uh, you know, today or even the early days, like how specializations have been able to help you and the, the firms you work with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I can remember, you know, being part of masterminds and running mastermind groups in, you know, 20 years ago and everybody's like, oh, you know, you can't just be an elder law attorney. You know, I have to keep my general practice. And Jan, to be honest with you, when I started my firm, I did some divorce work because I thought, oh my goodness, I needed that. And I didn't. And quite honestly, that stuff took away my time and my energy and my focus to really achieve the success I wanted. And once I figured that out, I let go of that. And, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of people that I coached or worked with, they really needed to let go of things and, and really hone in on that niche. And now it's interesting to me because elder law itself is such a broad field, you know, so elder law itself, uh, somebody could be an elder law attorney and that might be something very different. You know, an elder law attorney could be just that crisis Medicaid attorney, which is really helpful and powerful. But at my firm, we have four different departments in elder law and estate planning. You know, we have estate administration. So when people die, how do we help administer that estate or trust? We have a crisis team. So unfortunately for those people, what what we hope would never happen, happened to them, you know, a stroke or, or some crisis that we're responding to. And some of those people may have planned ahead and some of those may not. We have a pre-planning team. We also have a wealth protection planning team that deals with higher end income tax issues around all of this. And so, so I could go on, but, you know, that whole idea that it, we need a niche, the niches keep niching. You know, we also at our office, you know, we do dementia care planning. You know, that's to think about 20 years ago, yeah. somebody just being a dementia care attorney. But today, somebody could decide just to be a dementia care attorney and they could have a phenomenal law firm, very profitable, just based on helping those people who are dealing with that diagnosis. So I think it's really exciting for people to be able to do this. And it is a combination of us having a better understanding of what it is we can offer and help people. It's also, you know, where people are. So I talked first before about individual experiences. We also have a lot to owe out there to some of the celebrities that have come out. You know, when I was a kid, I remember my aunt got cancer. And it was like taboo. Like my mom is like, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell anybody. Like my cousins were living with us while she was getting treatment. Like I'm not supposed to tell anybody. I just remember that. But it was such a taboo. You didn't tell anybody. Today people get cancer and they tell people. The same thing is happening with Alzheimer's and dementia. It used to be like, oh my God, don't let anybody else know. And now we owe a lot to some celebrities out there. Seth Rogen and the work that he's done. We owe a lot to Nancy Reagan coming out and telling the story about, you know, Ronald Reagan and, and the tribulations with all of that. You know, U.S. Supreme Court justices talking about, you know, the relationship with their spouses. So we as a society are removing that taboo from Alzheimer's and dementia. And what that's allowing people to do is to come into our offices earlier and admit where they're at and plan for it. And I have obviously a pretty mature office. I have people that we've represented for years. And what I learned, Jan, just by listening, was that most of the people who came to me for a review appointment, so I did an estate plan maybe 10 years ago, they call in and they say, we want to update it. What I learned is if I shut up in that review appointment and I allow them to tell me why they're there, 
Um, many times it's because they have dementia, Alzheimer's, or they're worried about it. And they may not say, they may not come in and say, hey, we're here because I have dementia. But maybe the man will say to me, you know, I have some memory problems. And if I'm a smart enough attorney, I can sit and listen to that and slowly say, oh, you know, and start probing into that slowly. And so what I learned is that whether people do Alzheimer's or dementia planning as a subset of elder law and estate planning, they're serving those people anyways. And so that I just take that on and say, okay, well, this is great marketing. You know, this is a great avatar to really kind of go after and let people know I can help them. And so I love the way that as we niche down and we deal with changes in society and changes with the people that we're representing, that always translates into great marketing. You know, if we just take that and say, okay, this is the message these people want to hear and we're bold enough to change what we do, it ends up, you know, really allowing us to help more people and make more money, which is a phenomenal combination. Yeah. I mean, it's also really interesting too, because you're making me think beyond the marketing stuff too, because if you think about the person who's running the more, you know, let's, you know, God forbid the general general practice, but even like a more general estate planning practice, Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't get to see that level of depth, but if you get to the point where, you know, you have that, that lightning rod, And you're going to start attracting people that have a very, very specific problem. Not only is there the spillover effect to that, but in the course of speaking to more of those people more frequently, it's like you're actually pushing the field forward as time goes forward. Because it's like, you know, the amount of people specific to those Alzheimer's and dementia related needs that your firm is seeing, like you guys are probably developing stuff all the time that hasn't been seen before ever, right? Like, how do you guys think about, you know, building up the skills to serve these people at a higher level over time? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we obviously through the million dollar solution, we offer programming. I uh, went and taped a six hour course, just really kind of talking about these are the basic things that people need to understand to help people who have dementia. And we have seminars, we have credentialing, you know, people come to events. And really the idea of it is for some people, they're just going to use that and use it as marketing And that's helpful. Even if they just do a plain old estate and long-term care plan, that's really helpful to the people that were able to respond to that marketing message because they have a power of money. They're more prepared. Now at our firm, of course, you know, and through the million dollar solution, we're always giving people, you know, what's the next step of that. And, you know, there's really, we've defined, you know, six different levels of it, but, you know, at my office, we're, we're farther down the continuum. We do elder care coordination where, you know, somebody signs on as our client and rather than responding to crises, we know there's information they need to have and we send it out to them and we have somebody who calls them. Now we don't care manage for them. We don't, you know, organize their whole life. We're just there to be a guide on the journey for them. And we've done a, some really neat, worked on it for about two years now, just some really neat graphic stuff to let people understand about the journey. It's, you know, it's kind of like the shoots and ladders game when we were a kid that like, you know, we have this dementia diagnosis and then we shoot down into the hospital and then, you know, what's the next step? And, you know, just seeing how that helps families is, is really, really powerful uh, for people. And, Again, you know, the idea of like if somebody's listening and they're more of a general practice attorney or generally a state planning attorney, the thing that this gets you is a reduction of clutter in your life. So, you know, if you're doing an estate plan for like a basic estate plan for just like a couple thousand dollars and, you know, in a year, let's say, you know, you do a hundred of them 
you're going to be meeting a lot of different clients at a lower amount of money. And that takes a lot of systems organization to do that type of volume work. When we move over to something that's more specialized and helps that same client for a longer period of time, and dementia planning is just one example of it. We could talk about special needs planning. There's there's all kinds of you know parts that we could talk about this. And in fact, every area of law, whether you're a divorce attorney, there's more that you could be packaging together and doing for your clients. And what that does is instead of me making a couple thousand dollars from one client, you know, I'm making 10 and 20,000. And what that allows me to do is see less clients, have less clutter on my calendar and increase my profits, not by charging people more, but by the systemization of not having to have, you know, like you understand, Jan, you know, you do a seminar, you know, and like you were saying, 50% of people say yes then I have to meet with them in a first appointment and I have to get a certain amount of them to say yes to me. And that's a whole bunch of really a lot of clutter that takes up. And a lot of people don't realize the amount of money that takes up from people. So they don't realize, which obviously I do that. It's very effective, you know, very effective marketing. We want to do that. But if I'm getting five appointments out of it that are each spending, you know, $10,000 versus another person getting five appointments and they're each spending two, we're in a different situation. And that translates also into the caliber of our staff that we can hire and how well we can do our jobs and serve people. So to me, it's all interrelated. And I think really important for people to pick through, no matter what type of law you practice, you know, if you're a generalist, if you can just move one step closer to some sort of a niche or specialty that is going to increase your profitability for lots of reasons. Yeah, it seems like it's really a flywheel. And just to kind of tease out, I'm not going to name any names here, but like I know some people that are in the program that are doing extremely well. And the reason I know that they're they're doing extremely well is because they're constantly going on vacation with each other. Um, <laughs> we're speaking with the office manager. We can't get the principal partner on for you know a month at a time because they're in Cabo or whatever it happens to be. And that's where things can eventually get. Not to say that that's the path for everyone. But um, I guess we've sort of backdoored ourselves into the million dollar solution. So can you tell me a little bit more about that program and how you guys ended up getting started and who you guys like work with? Yeah, absolutely. So the million dollar solution is a coaching group that really allows people to clarify and define what it is they want from their practice and then create a plan and a journey to get there. So it's a lot more individualized planning for people. It's not a cookie cutter that everybody needs to do this, or, you know, just look at all of these, you know, KPIs and all this stuff. It's a combination of really allowing people to define what it is they want and allowing them to understand there are metrics that we need to use, but there's also our own instincts that we don't want to, you know, get rid of. And some of the most successful people, they're very charitable, generous, but they also make decisions based on their gut and are willing to take those risks. So, so the million dollar solution is something that, to be honest with you, Bill Hammond started in uh, about 2002. And when I told the story about how I was doing pre-planning before anybody else, I really caught Bill's eye because he was like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I have a whole practice built on it. So I guess I can, you know, and um, him and I became really good friends. And when he at, in about 2006, I ended up taking the business over from him and he was still a a great consultant and a a great influence for many, many years. And at the million dollar solution, what we do is we provide really higher end coaching for people who want to be able to 
are ready to have the life and practices that they always desired. And I would say deserve. So a lot of times when I start working with people, I think they deserve so much more for their life. But, you know, so part of it, when Bill Hammond started the Million Dollar Solution, it was really about marketing. And marketing is still a basic tenet. We got to have marketing that works, you know, and, and I do the marketing in my law firm, you know, during COVID, I test all kinds of things. We don't send anything out to people that doesn't work. We've tested it. It works. But when we have really good marketing, then we have these other problems, John, like we have, you know, how do we get the staff? How do we stop working, you know, 60 hours a week? How do we stop this burnout? How do we make sure there's quality products? And so the Million Dollar Solution also, you know, helps people with talent management. We also help people with productivity, you know, so I have a trademarked work called Chunk It that I'm very proud of that talks about, takes time management to a whole new level of chunk your time, your energy, and your presence. So how do you get stuff done? How do you be a productive leader? And we work with people, you know, in that way. So, you know, this year we're going to be doing some programming about dementia-focused practice, but also really about peak performance. You know, how do you personally be productive and make your staff more productive? And so the Million Dollar Solution for me is I love working with people. And, And what we do is, you know, I do a lot of clarity coaching where I do coaching. You know, it used to be a lot of days and now it's a lot more virtual, but it works just as well where I really, you know, push people to define what it is that they want. Because, John, I've worked with a lot of people over the years. They're running after something they don't want. I love when people are like, oh, build a million dollar firm and, you know, do four seminars, you know, a week, you know, at night. And I say to people, and they're like, it's not working. And I say to them, do you want to do these seminars at night? No, I have three kids. Then why are you doing it? You know, there's no reason to build a business that doesn't fit your life. And yeah, I have three kids and um, raising them has been the privilege of my life. My son is actually a senior. At, look, I'm getting upset about it. He's a senior in high school. And um, what I can say to you is that I own my law practice. I own the Million Dollar Solution. I'm a, really a serial entrepreneur that really focuses on how to make businesses profitable. But I was there for my kids. And, you know, so now I have to tell you, Jan, sometimes I flew home from California on a red eye and stood at a basketball tournament, you know, exhausted. But the thing that I think is missing from a lot of coaching out there is this real question and pushing people to say, what is it that you want? What's your vision? What fits your life? You know, sometimes I talk to people like, oh, they want a, you know, $10 million firm. Do you? Or do you want to? net a million dollars because you can have a $3 million firm and I can show you how to net a million dollars. Like, so what is it that you want? And I, and I think the reason that it's so valuable to have coaching and a lot of what we do is masterminding where, to be honest with you, Jan, the, the brilliance in the room isn't just buying, it's the other people that raise people. But, you know, from my perspective, I think sometimes people think it's not possible. They think they must do it this way. I have a firm that has grown and grown and grown. I never do seminars at night. I do them at 10 and three. It works. And the thing is, is that I wouldn't just say that works. I will tell you that for a year, I did seminars at different times. And we, I am a numbers woman. We kept track of what was the conversion. More people would come at night, but less would convert. And I was the same presenter. So, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do them at night. For some people that works. But my point is, that my real passion in the million dollar solution 
is letting people know that what it is they want out of life, if they can spend the time to clarify and define it, they can build. And at The Million Dollar Solution, our goal is to help people build what it is that they want. And we have resources and partners that we hook people up with to really make that happen for them. Okay, that's awesome. And there's something I want to dig into a little bit too, because we've kind of seen the other side of this. And it's really, really weird. And it's something that we've noticed over the last years, as we've gotten more tools for people to have, if the mindset isn't in alignment, people will figure out a way to screw things up. You could have the exact same scale sales script, the exact same seminar presentation that Julie has. But at the end of the day, if you don't want that to work, you'll figure out a way to like, you know, mess up calling the direct mail house to send out your postcards. And you'll think, oh, wow, isn't it funny? These things all keep happening to me. But at the end of the day, too, it's just like I think people really find a way to not succeed with what their alignment, which kind of makes this whole perspective, which I think is really there's way too much of this in business culture. I think I hate hustle porn. I hate the, uh, you know, deferred life plan kind of situation too, because, you know, ultimately it's saying that you're doing something out of alignment. And, you know, what I think is brilliant about the whole masterminding stuff as well in general is it's like, if you can see somebody next to you, who's doing it. And it's so funny that like people, you know, again, normally type A people, hard charging people, they're not going to say, well, yeah, I need somebody to tell me I have permission to get what I want, but sometimes you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes the permission isn't somebody saying it. Sometimes the permission is, is seeing it's real for yourself. So, you know, I think it's such an important thing. So I want to actually follow up on something too, because, you know, this is something that I, I find fascinating about your, your program. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like the lower down you go in the journey, you know, if you're a day one JD and you want to go for starting your own firm, as opposed to joining up somewhere else, or, you know, you've, you've had it with a big firm life and you want to start off as a solo. I think there's a lot of options for that. And there's a lot of different ways to get that to work. But one of the things we were talking about in the pre-call, and this is something that I've seen just, you know, I've been going through a lot of literature around operations and scaling in the last little bit. And I hear it from all these different locations, you know, the profit first guys say this, this the um, EOS guys say this, the space between one and $5 million in revenue is considered the value of death. And you guys seem to have navigated it and helped people navigate that super adeptly. So I want to ask you about your philosophy on that. Like, what do you find different about that level versus the zero to 1 million level? Yeah. So, you, so the zero to 1 million level, you know, that's, that's a time that you can be all things to all people and you can be running around. And of course you're putting systems in place and it really matters who you are as a leader. And there's so much of it that you can fix and control yourself by who you are. When you get beyond that, you know, I only work two days a week in my law practice, but when I'm there, my job totally is to unstick people so that they have some problem that I need to get them over and to have converse. I, most of the day I'm telling people things that they don't want to hear and I need to get them to move forward in the way that I want them to. So that could be a staff person that, you know, maybe is lost in their way or, you know, obviously I have a management team, but for some reason we can't get them to do what we need them to do. Um, Maybe they need to go. Also could be a a client, you know, uh, a client that's upset, you know, you know, yesterday I was dealing with a beneficiary who put a bad review because, you know, they didn't get money from their aunt and they thought they should like, you know, so I, I'm, you have to deescalate that. So The biggest thing for me is that people don't understand is that the skill set that gets you to a million is not the skill set that gets you to 5 million. And Jan, I worked on this for years. I worked with a coach and today's actually the anniversary of his death, Rob Berkeley, who was 
brilliant at this. And just so you know, I provide these types of services to people, but, but I've benefited from them. That's, I was a part of masterminds. I did coaching with people. That's how I grew to where I'm at today and continue to do that. But I worked on with him for a long time, learning to have conversations with people that they didn't want to have. And if I had to fundamentally say, what is my job right now at my law firm? That's it. I go in and everything that I do is hard. Um, So if you think you're going to have a $5 million law firm and go in and answer email, like just... Just just stop right now. now. (laughs) It's not it's not gonna happen, right? You know, from my perspective, you know, and obviously, you know, we could we could really talk more in depth about those things, but that fundamentally is what I do. And it takes a lot of time and energy from me. And it takes me really learning how to be a gracious leader. And so if people are still on the roller coaster of getting pissed off and being negative, you know, I had to do a lot of work around leading with gratitude. You know, I did a lot of work with heart math. I did a lot of work understanding that I'm there to serve people. When I walk into a first appointment, I still do first appointments, but um, when I walk into there, I'm there to serve that person. Actually, it doesn't matter to me whether or not they say yes at the price I quote. What matters to me is that I'm there to serve them and I need to be there present for them in whatever way I can. And I'll tell you, my conversion rate in 2019 was 96%. That doesn't happen without phenomenal systems. You know, before they got there, they had to like me because I had a great digital self, because their interactions at my law firm were fantastic, and because I could be there and with them, you know, present with them and helping them. So it's not just about me in that room, but me in that room is really important too. And a lot of times, you know, I see people who, they're not having good conversion rates and they're tired. They're tired. So again, we, your question to me was, you know, the 5 million and I don't have a day I can't be on. So I don't work a lot of hours, but the hours I do are really important and I, and they really matter. And that's where I think, Jan, when you talk about like, you know, people going on vacations and stuff, to be honest with you, I have to rejuvenate myself. I can't let myself I have to take care of myself. I can't let myself not be on my game because it is so important. It's such a big ship and I need to make sure that I'm helping to steer it. And I'm also looking for those icebergs ahead and that it's different. The other part of it though, is that it's really exciting. It's clearly highly profitable, but it's also really exciting. I love what I do. And the way that I've carved it out, and this again goes back to the million dollar solution, the way that I've carved it out plays to my strengths. Again, so many times people think I have to do this. You know, I work with um, people who own law practices and they're not good salespeople. They're like, oh, I have to do the first appointments. No, you don't. Quite honestly, we'd make more money if we could get you out of there. Like you're a phenomenal attorney, like, and your quality assurance, like, you, and you can copyright well, you're, you know, But no, you can't, you know, get people to say yes to you. So that's a skill we need to work on, but we don't need you doing that. What that person should do has got to be a combination of some things do need to be done. Somebody has to financially watch the firm, but it also needs to be what it is that that person's good at. And if there's things they're not good at, they need to work on those skill sets. Everything's a skill set. Initial consultations, leadership, we all can get better you know, at what we do. And that's exciting because we can really help, help each other uh, to do that. 
I just got to say, it's such a breath of fresh air to hear that perspective on leadership and ownership, because I think one of the things I see way too often out there is just this, this kind of dream of the, you know, management by absentia kind of situation and like, or the lifestyle practice or something like that. And the truth is, you know, it's possible to do that, but if you are, there's not going to be value created. And I think the people who are really in this for the long haul are the ones who are focused on creating that. I mean, again, there's a, there's a lot of value for, for yourself that you can capture personally, but value to clients, value to your staff, making it a place that people actually want to work. And, you know, the development that you do for yourself is, I mean, it seems, you know, very directly translated to stuff that you've done so that you can help other people in your firm develop. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And again, that's, that's probably your personal brand as far as like how you like to be a leader, but how do you help people find what they're good at. Cause it's like, I feel sometimes you run into people who have these aspirations of like, you know, I'd love to be a great closer, but mm -hmm. maybe they're not like, how do you, like, how do you uh, untangle this or like get people to, uh, to see themselves in the mirror clearly? Yeah. So it can take a little bit. I mean, that's why, that's why coaching can take a, a little bit because sometimes I can see where people need to be, but I, I can't get them there maybe in one coaching call or, you know, I see two things that happen. One is people who aren't good at something, to be honest with you, one of the reasons is it will go back to a wealth attraction issue. And I had this happen to me where I achieved some success and then I stopped achieving success, even though I thought I was doing a good job and everything is kind of what you talked about, you know, they'll ruin it somehow. And so many of us come with some baggage and garbage, um, whether it's our religion or our upbringing about I don't deserve to be this successful. And so I, as I would build my business more, I would get to levels that I would have to really work on wealth attraction and say, it's okay to go to the next level. I deserve this. This is okay. Because there was too much of me who felt like somehow that success was bad. And I'd been taught, you know, rich people are bad. And, and that's not true at all. You know, so one thing that happens to people is they get to these ceilings that they have to break through. And unless they're being coached or with a mastermind, and actually a mastermind works the best to break through a ceiling, because when you see somebody else doing it, you're really able to do that. And that goes to, I'm not good at something, you know, I get myself stuck there. But the other part of, I'm not good at something, I think, you know, just having the conversation, I was just working with a husband and wife team and uh, they're new to me and they're really valuable. And you, you could tell Jan, just meeting them she was a firecracker. Like she's the salesperson, right? That he's the professional um, in this situation. Uh, it's actually a CPA firm. He's the professional, you know, and he's just like, you know, he's tried everything and he can't sell. And so I just listened to them. And then I just said to him, well, why do you have to? And see, he had been taught by so many people that these are the steps you have to take. And then he had to. And I said, I don't think you have to, you know, like, well, wait, let's think about so those of you who are listening who have kids and they've ever needed braces, what happens? You go in, they take the picture of your kid. Orthodontist says you need braces, right? And then, and I've done this with three different kids and it's all the same thing. Then they take you in a little room and a woman comes in and she tells you it's going to cost you, you know, all this money and you're going to be on a payment plan for the next, you know, three years. You don't say no to that. It wasn't the orthodontist that sold you that. He gave the prescription. He said, this is what your kid needs, right? So in our professional services as attorneys, why do we think we're the people that have to do that? 
So showing examples from other types of businesses can help with people. But to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard for people to give up being able to do certain things because they think they have to. But I'm just really blatantly honest with people. And one of the things that people who coach with me really comment on, I am very honest. I tell people when something that I tried doesn't work. I'm also not afraid to tell somebody something that might break my own sale or make them not like me. Because at the end of the day, I need to be congruent with my job is to lead them forward, whether they stay with me or not, doesn't matter. And so I think there's also a lot of people out there that are really kind of afraid to tell people things. And I'm not, they can disagree with me and I'll listen to that. And maybe I'm wrong because I don't know that I'm right. But like in that situation, they ended up joining a program that I have because I was willing to look at that man and say, don't do sales. You're not good at it, bud. Like, and you're not going to be good at it. And listen, there's this whole other part of you that is phenomenal. And we should work on that. See, what people really should do is figure what they're good at and become great at that. And the things they're not good at, they should hire out or outsource. That's success. Every time I want to build my business again and scale my business, the very first thing I do is I make what's good about my business better. See, most people go to the weakest link. I'll get there. But before I spend time on that weakest link, I'm going to make what's good better. And I think that's of people too, getting them to value what they do. Yeah. And I guess it kind of comes together at the end of the day too, for like the, the zero to million versus the one to five question, because you know, I think getting the, the, the business off the ground is just more about what gaps don't you have. But past that point, it really becomes so important to have something that's tailored to you, your business, your market, your value proposition. And I think that's why it's super important to have more of a customized approach, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really important moving forward that that you do have that. And you know, you don't have to be my leadership style. You don't have to have the vision that I have, but you do have to have that. You know, so again, and that goes back to clarity. Mm-hmm. The most successful people will be clear about what it is they're in business for, what it is they are and what they want out of life. Because because often we don't get what we want because we really don't know. And I always tell people I start coaching with, and I got this from somebody else. So a coach for me, a man named Mike Capuzzi, years ago, I was working with him. We own, uh, we do some uh, marketing together. He said to me, Julie, just close your door for an hour and write this down. That was my clarity. Because I kept kind of, and it's my commitment to it. And it's I'm not talking about writing goals down. I'm talking about closing your door and getting some quiet space to really allow yourself to be honest with yourself about what it is you want. And we don't have a lot of that in society. We run, 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 and never kind of contemplate. And that's, you know, really important for people. Yeah. And I'll say this too. Part of, I think maybe, and again, maybe it's just like a theory, but I think sometimes people don't give themselves permission to ask these questions because it's hard to face the possibility that you can't get it. Right. But I think it goes part and parcel with with getting to the point where you're scaling a business when you've gotten those first wins, you've you've you know, you've set a goal and you've hit it, that you can actually start to focus on what it is that you really want. And again, if, if you don't have this that work, then you get to a place that you don't. But um, no, I think that's a really, really good place to kind of wrap these things up. And I guess also want to be respectful of your time because we're three minutes from the close. But um, Julie, this has been a fantastic conversation. Anyone who's plugged in with this and this is resonating with them, what's the best place for that person to take the next step? Yeah, so you can get on themilliondollarlawyer.com. 
So themilliondollarlawyer.com. And that's our website. And it provides you with just some great information and ways to contact our team of people if you're interested in the Million Dollar Solution. We also, if you're interested in the dementia-focused practice that I talked about, if you go on dementiafocuspractice.com, you'll find information there very specific to that niche. Okay, super. And thank you so much for uh, you know those generous offers, Julia, and like as, as well as this conversation, which is fantastic. And I just want to like highlight for anyone who's listening, we're not talking about tactics here. We're not talking about you know three crazy split tests that's going to double your attendance rate. Like this is very holistic. And for anyone who wants to think about the self work stuff as as optional or woo woo or whatever, it really isn't. <laughs> Like, and I can tell you from the people that, uh, you know, we know that have interacted with Julie and Julie herself, but just like, you know, to get to these higher levels of success, you really have to think about things in an integrated fashion. So thank you for giving us such a, you know, awesome view about Julie. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, it's been great. I appreciate um, getting to spend time with you. All right, rock on. And then for everyone else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.